And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is everything that we're looking for, for a way where we can live wisely instead of being caught up in the foolish things of life. So I'd just like to invite you to just relax, settle back, let the Spirit of God introduce this to you. Let, let the, the Spirit of God release this word to you uniquely to your spirit, just how He speaks to you. I know that this word will bring a blessing to you because it came straight from Him.
Thank you, Holy One, that you're our teacher, our counsellor, you're our guide. You're the one that releases uh, the, the word of the Lord to us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you make the way. That there's no way to the Father but by you. And Lord, we just release this entire night over to you. For God, that you would say more than I say. That you would release direct revelation into every heart, Lord, that is uniquely uh, released to fit each individual. For God, that there would be a, a, a this place, Lord, where we just encounter you. Lord, that there's not a, a focus on where we are or me speaking, but Lord, there's just this focus on you. So Lord, you say that if we lift you up, you draw all men to yourself. So Lord, Jesus, we lift you up, we adore you, we honor you, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the answer to everything that we need. And I, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for every life that's here. Lord, for those that have traveled distances, uh, Lord, that those that have cancelled meetings in order to be, or cancelled things in order to be here, I just bless you over everybody in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, so, hi. So, yes, I'm, I'm Kathy and Catherine, and any, anything else you want to call me that's not offensive. <laughs> and um, so, uh, so what happened over the couple of years, three, hold on, 13, oh, I've been coming for a while. So over the years that I've been coming here, um, I, people kept saying, you know, like, we need to, like, talk to, because I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one ministry, and they're like, we need to talk to lots of people, you know, about this stuff, and um, so the wonderful girls here got together, oh, hold on, Kevin's not good. Uh, the wonderful girls in Kevin. Got together, got together and uh, decided to you know do this for me, which I'm very grateful. So I um, established what I call International Management Leadership Training School, and uh, AKA the Wisdom School, because uh, what I do is I um, work with governments around the world to open uh, doors to facilitate funding for uh, emerging nations or economically challenged nations. And so I was uh, starting with um, developing the international team. And what I realized was that where we've got, you know, we've got lots of Christians, where they're, they, they may be very spiritually mature, often in the natural, are very immature, uh, major character issues. And, and all that sort of thing. And I felt, you know, if we're taking a kingdom mandate into a nation, um, because it's not just about the economic development, it's about a, a, the infiltration of the kingdom of heaven into, into a nation. And if we were doing that, and, and we were not of good character that could reflect the kingdom of heaven, then what's the point of even starting? What's the point of doing it? And uh, so, um, the Lord had me, you know, put all these um, revelations all together, um, and uh, and I'm going to tell this again uh, for those that haven't heard it. But when I had uh, I, I written out every, we had 52 um, sessions over uh, three months, and I think it was 10 weeks actually, and um, uh, all the way through this. I had the word discipline had come up in every single session. You know, will you discipline yourself too? Will you discipline yourself too? And and the the, the, 
the essence of the whole thing was not to not to identify sin uh, and point it out, but to, to identify where's the root of it, like where did it come from, why are you attracted to it, why are you addicted to it, you know that sort of thing. Get like let's get right down to the to the you know the nuts and bolts of stuff, and not just look at the symptoms of things. Because as long as you look at the symptoms, uh, <laughs> that root is still there. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so this word discipline was in everything. And I was about to kind of like do the save, you know, that save thing that you go, fine, it's done. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, the Father doesn't like that word. And I'm like, what word? And then the word discipline is like, whoa, whoa. You know how it does that? And, uh, and I'm like, but it's, it's in the Bible. He goes, yeah, doesn't like it. Well, well, what am I going to do? And he says, well, let's change it. And I'm like, what to? I'm just thinking, what words would we change it to? What words would we change it to? And then he said, just delete the word, delete the word discipline, and then write this in. So it said, it, it, invariably it said, will you discipline yourself too? Right? So I deleted the word discipline, and it's like, will you? And he said, you write this in. Love yourself enough too. I was absolutely floored. Because it reflected this generous heart of the Father that he wanted to present a, this just extravagant gift to us that his discipline is love. His way of speaking to us is not discipline. Because you, know, you hear the word discipline and it has a connotation of like hard and tough and strong. And, and it, but will you love yourself enough too? And that changed the entire school. Um, it was just a phenomenal uh, result. Um, uh, like even now, when people say to me, "When are you, when are you going to do it again?" So when we when we go into nations, we you know this is the foundation of it, boot camp. And um, and you know what they were saying was that they had never experienced such tremendous life changing. Uh, revelation because it wasn't just you know like what Timothy did when he went to Corinth it was being able to relate it right down to relative stuff and when I was a, a kid in, in you know Sunday school and church and all the rest of it I don't know how many times I heard the story about Timothy going to Corinth and I can remember just holding my head and going if I hear about Timothy going to Corinth again I'm just going to scream because how does that help me live how does that help me be a better person how does that help me connect to God? How does that help me, right? And so um, then you know, I started looking at the Word because what we, what we did was we read the Word, but, but so in the circles that I grew up in, they were uh, traditional, uh, nominal, uh, Holy Spirit, um, uh, prophecy was of the devil, tongues was of the devil, uh, and, you know, like laying hands and healing was definitely of the devil, and you know, so, um, so the way we read the Bible was on the surface. It was like, you know, just reading stories. There was no application. And, um, and, and, uh, and so, you know, I would read that we're more than conquerors. And I'm like, uh, all, all I've ever heard being taught was that I was an unworthy worm, a worthless, unworthy worm. And I was like, well, how, the, how are we more than conquerors? And if, and if the Bible says we're more than conquerors, then 
how are we going to do that? How are we going to be that? How are we going to get there? And so I started on this, this journey and it was really interesting that the journey came from Jeremiah 33 verse 3. He called to me and I'll answer you and tell you great unsearchable things that you don't yet know. And so I actually and, and put that word inside me because we weren't told to do that sort of thing. We read it, but we weren't told that that's what you do. And so I put the word inside me and, and, and literally, I, so I asked the Holy Spirit, remind me to call to the Lord all the time. Because I was used to talking to myself. Yes, I've stopped and prayed. Uh, and you know, when you go to church and you pray, and you know, I prayed in the morning, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lifestyle, it wasn't my go-to. And so, um, and, and this is what happened, I was like, how am I going to remember to do this all the time? And the Father said, the Father said, ask the Holy Spirit to be your witness to remind you. And I was like, oh, that's novel. You know, what a great idea. And, and the interesting thing was I did, and he did. After about six weeks of doing that, he was still reminding me, but I stopped listening. And then he went quiet. And I was like, hey, you stopped reminding me. And he's like, hey, you stopped listening. I was like, oh. So, you know, what he was showing me was that there's a relationship. Yeah. You know, if I, I mean, if you're talking to your friend and she stops listening, you're just going to stop talking, right? It's just relationship. It's who he is. And uh, so that's just a little bit of a, of a preview into what we're doing. And the other thing was that this, that this uh, um, thing, um, this uh, training school is for leaders, right? And so what I don't do a lot of is providing scripture. Because all of you have the word written on the tablets of your heart. Amen. And so what I encourage you to do is while you're listening, is to be awake and alert and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you which scriptures apply to what, what she's saying, right? Because the Lord's going to speak to you specifically and uniquely on the scriptures that fit you. I remember when I was in the traditional church, we were, you know, we were the Christians who shot our wounded. You know, we were the Christians who kicked the ones that fell down. And... Um, and we would apply the word to whichever word we liked, whichever scripture we would like, to whichever situation we liked. And one day the Holy Spirit came to me and he said, you can't apply the word of the Father unless you understand his ways. And he said the word will kill without the application of the ways of the Father in that particular person's life, in this particular situation. And he said, in order to know the, the applicable word of God, you must know the ways of God. And so I was like, well, what does that look like? And so then he was taking me through this, this situation of understanding that my history, my experience had been, um, if, we, if we saw people struggling or failing or faint of heart, that we would find a harsh scripture to condemn them with. And so I was starting to find this magnificent God with this generous heart of love. It's the kindness of God that leads me to repentance. And finding that 
um, that, that his Holy Spirit would convict me when, even if I thought about a scripture that would go like a sword. And he, and, and he said that his sword, it doesn't wound, but it's very sharp and it has a positive outcome. And so, you know, these things he was just continuing to, um, to unwind the, uh, the history of the things that I've learned. And um, anyway, what I want to talk about today, if I can open my own laptop. What I want to talk today is, is about um, taking your thoughts captive. Um, I found that one of the first things that connected me to hearing the voice of God was quietening down all the other thoughts. And, and I actually didn't even know that uh, a lot of what was going on up in here were thoughts. There was a chatter. Just this subliminal chatter that went non-stop with occasionally I would hear uh, you know, condemning negative, hopeless words, statements. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I could not uh, accurately hear the voice of God. Um, and I can remember, I can remember holding my head and saying, oh no, I'll tell you, I did, I did, I did two years of positive thinking, positive mental attitude and positive thinking. And, and I disciplined myself to do it. At the end of two, because I wanted to, I wanted to grow, I wanted to heal, I wanted to grow, I wanted to change. So I do these two years of, of you know, positive thinking. And at the end of two years, I was worse. I was worse. <laughs> I was so messed up and I was so angry two years. And I was like, what is going on? And, and I hear the grace of the Holy Spirit break in and said, well, you didn't bring the Father, me, or Jesus into it. He said, you did it in the flesh. You did it in your own strength. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And so then I started this, this journey of, of, because what he said to me was the, was the scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. And we know it, right? So I'm just going to read it to you. For though we walk in the world... We do not fight according to this world's rules of warfare. The weapons of the war we're fighting are not of this world, but they are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against His truth. We got that? I'm going to read that again. For though we walk in the world, we do not fight according to this world's rules of warfare. The weapons of the war we're fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against his truth. So strongholds are in our minds, right? And they're erected against his truth. We're demolishing arguments and ideas, every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one faithful and true God. We're taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them into obedience to the anointed one. As soon as you choose obedience, we stand ready to punish every act of disobedience. How cool is that? Right? So, Lord, so the Lord said to me, you, you've taken your, your thoughts. No, he said, he said, what you were doing was you were focusing on the positive, but you never actually took the negative captive. Right? Right? 
And then when you took them captive, you didn't punish them, and you didn't make them obey Jesus. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. How do you punish them? How do you make them obey Jesus? I don't know. And uh, so, so uh, here I am. I'm like I'm programmed and I'm stuck and I can't break my program. I'm like Groundhog Day in my brain, day in and day out, right? And even though I'm, my, my days are different, my mind is doing the same thing and I'm trapped. It's, it's like, it's like a, a, a computer program and it, you, know, like you can't alter it. It's, it's the program and you can't alter it. Right? Unless you've got a programmer who can come in and, and alter it. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, the Holy Spirit is the, is the programmer. And you've got to bring the Holy Spirit and reprogram the way you think. So what I was experiencing was this, this a subliminal chatter that had captured me, that had imprisoned me. And, and the chatter had started from my earliest memories and you know, possibly even you know, from, from conception, but I wasn't aware of that, was I? So anyway, my earliest memories, situations and circumstances, and everything that goes into your life to send a message to you about your worth and your value. And, you know, there's so many situations, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, school, there's home, there's church, there's sports, you know, there's extended family, there's jobs, there's all of these situations where you're experiencing things day in and day out. You're receiving information in, whether it's spoken or not, you're receiving information into you about who you are and are you, are you valid and are you worth anything, right? Some more than others are constantly receiving negative information. And that is from, uh, the generational assignments, right? So we're, we're experiencing this negative information all the time. But because we don't know how to take it captive, what we do is we, we, we tuck it down, pack it down, put a lid on it, because what do you do with it? How do you deal with this stuff? What do you do with it? So we're constantly through our life packing this stuff down. How do you deal with all of the situations and experiences of things that happen? How do you deal with it? Give them to God, right? Even though I tried, I didn't actually know how to take it captive to punish it and make it obey Jesus. I had no idea how to do that. And so, um, so what I realized was that this subliminal chatter, right? What, how it manifests is in that feeling where you, you know, you're okay, everything's good, and then you get this feeling that goes, Ugh. and you just go, Ugh. and you're like, what is that? And that feeling is, a, is like a feeling of yuck. It's like a feeling of doom. It's like this feeling of something's not right. Uh, and, you know, you kind of want to, like, shake it off or go shopping or get coffee or call somebody or, you know, something, but we seldom actually go to God about it because we don't know what it is. And what it is is a subliminal message that came into your world at some point that sent a message to you about your worth, which was, nah, just nah, you're not okay. And this subliminal message is going on 24-7. And so when you try to hear the voice of God, you've got a subliminal chatter with a 
liminal chatter, one that you can hear. And then on top of that, you've got your, your own thoughts. And so with that, if you're trying to hear God, how, it's not going to be clear. It's going to be cloudy and foggy and intermittent, right? Because we've got all this stuff going on. And um, anyway, so he started talking to me about a whole lot of stuff. One of the first things he said is to, he said, don't wrestle with the thoughts that you know are not edifying. And so what we do is, well, a thought will come, whether it comes from the enemy, whether it comes from a situation or a circumstance, or whether it comes from our mulling over in the thoughts. These thoughts come. We know they're not good, we know they're not edifying, we know they're not positive, but we wrestle with them. We start to do the to and the fro, try to, you know, like, think it through. Right? This is our own wisdom. This is our own soul trying to wrestle with things that are not edifying. And he said to me, he said, he said stop feeding them. It's like, huh, I didn't even know that's what I was doing. I thought I was trying to work it out. And he said, he said, feed the thoughts that are edifying. Feed the thoughts that are worth it. Feed the thoughts that are noble and you know, upright and pure and lovely. Feed them, but don't feed these other ones. So don't wrestle with them. He said to me, When I was saying, I, I, I want to be more spiritual, I want more gifts, I want to be able to serve Him, you know, I want to be valid in, in ministry, um, uh, I, wanted, I wanted intimacy, I want to be closer, you know, like all, all this stuff. You know, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, right? And, uh, and he, said, he said, what you don't understand is I made you human, not spirit. Yes, you are human. And he said, you've got it back to front. He said, you're looking for the things of the spirit and your humanity is not in order. And I was like, ow. There's a, a, a weird thing that happens in Christianity. And that is when we throw ourselves into the spirit without taking reference to what's going on here, the religious demon will tell you that you're a-okay and you don't have to sort anything out because you can pray, you go to all the church meetings, you do worship, you have prayer meetings, uh, you know, you get together with friends and you pray, um, you do your morning reading, you know, you do your devotions, you, know, you do all these things and that religious spirit will tell you that you've got it all going on and you do all these things. But what the Lord was saying to me was he's saying, if I remove all of these things from you, how are you with Jesus? Does he know you? And I'm like, I know what that means. I had no idea what that meant. And one by one, he cut these things out of my life. Started with the prayer groups. I was involved in about three prayer groups and two home groups. I, like my whole life, right? It was just God and church and everything. And one by one, he just cut them out. I prayed with, um, 
I, I, I tell you, I couldn't even read my Bible. I was just like, I, I, he, just, he just kept turning it off. And then it got down to, um, uh, I, I walked into church and I love worship. And I walked into church and I sat down and I was about to, you know, like the worship was about to start. And I was so violently sick, I had to run out. And I'm like, devils! And the Holy Spirit says, no, that's me. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? It's you. And he said, and, and as he was dismantling every single one of those things, he kept saying to me, how's your relationship with Jesus? And I'm like, it's good. It's good. And then I'm running out and I can't have worship and now I'm angry. He said, how's your relationship with Jesus? And I'm like, it's good. It's fine. <laughs> and then the next Sunday, I go to go to church and I'm, I'm all, it's winter and I'm all dressed, you know, like the whole works, jacket, everything, Bible, handbag, you know, hat and coat and everything. And, um, and I'm in the car and I'm going to church and, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going to church. And he goes, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. He's like, no, you're not. And I physically could not drive to church. And I ended up at the beach, right? And it's a winter day in Australia and unpredictably stinking hot, <laughs> right? And I'm sitting at the beach and for the first time I realized that my world and my relationship with Jesus was nothing but structures of activity. And I sat there terrified of myself and of the thoughts that were going through my head because I couldn't silence them. And the thoughts that, of the things that I didn't want to think about, the things that I deny, the things that, um, you know, even in areas where things happen and you're embarrassed about it, you don't want to face it, and so you la 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 forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it, and you pack it down and put the lid on it. Well, it's like you took the lid off and all this stuff starts coming up to the surface and I'm like, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and so what he was saying to me is that our humanity, we as humans, we've got the capacity to experience that the spirit doesn't. We can taste, we can touch, we can feel, thinking, you know, we've got, we've got stuff about humanity. And it's in this place of our humanity that, that the Spirit wants to connect with us. If He wanted to connect with us just as Spirit, we wouldn't have been made human. But we're made human because there's all these different aspects about our humanity that we've got to deal with. Right? And so, um, and, and most, of what we're, most of what we're chasing after in the realm of God is bound to our humanity. It's bound to developing character. It's bound to learning how to be loved by God, learning how to love others. It's bound to learning how to be honourable and learning how to honour people. It's uh, bound to uh, being appreciative of, of people and what they offer. You know, there so many of us we are, are having opportunities 24-7 of kindnesses that are being sent towards us. But because we don't know how to receive and we don't understand the value of what the, uh, our people's intention are, 
we miss it. And and I I found that um, people were, you know, uh, saying nice things, kind things, valuable things, edifying things. They were making an effort. That, that you know you think about it. When you go to bless somebody, you're making an effort, right? You're 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 creating something in the natural realm that has a spiritual power to it. And you, you want to bless somebody with something and they can't receive it. And you sort of feel like, that was a waste. And so you might want to give them a gift and they look at the gift and they go, thanks. They don't know how to appreciate it. They don't know what, what, what came from you to bless them with that gift. It might be a kind word. It might be a, uh, an action that they do for you, and people are like, man, man, right? And it's the same with us. People, are, there's there's this constancy of the kingdom of heaven, alive and active, bringing these blessings to us, and we are negating them because of the mindless chatter that tells us we're not worth it. And we've got we we need to love ourselves enough to receive to to actually draw and appreciate and acknowledge and, and honour that even the slightest things that are offered to us. Yeah? And, and I, I know so many people who, uh, because of just the constancy of not feeling worth it, not believing that they're worth it, that they're constantly missing these things, these things are actually being motivated by the Kingdom of Heaven to help fill our cup. And we're walking around with empty tanks, empty love tanks, empty worth tanks, empty value tanks, empty valid tanks. Our tanks are empty because we are in this place of relationship and we get our tanks filled two ways, by the people around us and by God. Right? He said this to me, he said, all success begins in your spirit. All success begins in your spirit. There is no success without a spiritual component. And what he was saying to me is, where we're not prospering, body, mind, soul, and spirit, is because our, our spirit is not able to receive the truth because our soul and our mind is so caught up with a, a, ch a chatter and a, um, uh, uh, just that, that totally condemning, uh, you know, uh, messages. You know, we're receiving messages, messages constantly, sometimes not even audible words, but just messages that we're not okay. And, and you know, one of the, the, um, the most prevalent uh, assignments of the enemy is to have us believe that we're not worth it. When, you know, and, and I suffered from this. I was the most unworthy of all unworthy in the whole realm of unworthiness. Until the Lord Jesus said to me, you say you believe my word, but your life doesn't live it. And he said, you have been made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. And, and again, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Because of the chatter was too much. And um, now, I, I hear him. And his voice is far more 
beautifully accepted and tuned in than all those other lies that I was caught up in. And also remembering as well that every single action that you do comes from a thought. You can't actually do something unless there was a thought first. And so looking at what's, what are we doing in our world that is not <coughs> edifying, that is not a, reflective, a reflection of the kingdom of heaven on earth. What do we do in our world because there's always the thought. Now when the Lord said this to me, I was just like, but I, I, didn't, I didn't have a thought. I just did it. I, I, didn't, I actually didn't have the thought. And he said to me, it's because the chatter is so loud, you're not even aware of the thoughts that you're having in order to lead you down those paths. And, um, and, then, and then he said to me, he said, you're unhealthy. I'm like, okay, I'm fit, I'm strong, and yet you say I'm unhealthy. He said, you're unhealthy because you accept criticism from everybody who offers it, but you won't accept encouragement or praise from anybody. Wow. He said, you'll accept their criticism, You'll, you'll take it in and you'll mull over it and wrestle with it, but you won't let their encouragement or their praise establish the kingdom of heaven within you. So the kingdom of heaven is within, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I want you to be healthy. I want you to accept, draw in, and appreciate encouragement and affirmation from others. Now, I was so bound by a spirit of false humility. And when you used to hear the word spirit, it's not a thought. It's not a thought. It's a demon. Right? We've got celestial spirits. We've got demonic spirits. And this spirit of false humility is a demon that I was holding hands with and skipping along in life thinking that I was humble. But I wasn't. I had a demon that, that told me that I was worth nothing and that makes me humble. False humility. And, uh, and the Lord said to me, they, these demons in your world, demons of fear, doubt, unbelief, pride, religion, he said, they are your gods. And I'm like, no, they're not. And he goes, yes, they are. I'm like, no, they're not. He's like, yes, they are. I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah, uh-uh. And he said, they're your gods because you believe them more than you believe me. I'm like, ugh, you know, why are you always right? <laughs> I suffered from a significant demon of self-pity. And the, the, I remember the Lord came to me and he said, he said, this demon will rob you of you. It will rob you of you. And he said, you have to hate this thing enough to remove it from your life. And he said to me, he said, the addiction to me, myself and I will lead you into a mental disorder. If we're always thinking about me, myself, and I all the time, it leads to depression. 
there's all sorts of mental problems. Because Jesus came as the greatest servant of all, but he also came as a leader. And when we don't know how to serve, it's because it's all about me, myself, and I. And we're and if if we're so focused on ourselves, we will never serve. And if we never serve, we will be bitter and unhappy. Life will never be full. You'd just be like on the outside looking in. So just remember that this is not a disease, it's a disorder because it begins with a choice. Right? So the difference between a disease and a disorder is that the disease is systemic, but the disorder comes, it starts with a choice. It's your choice. Science has, has shown us that it takes 21 days to reroute a mental pathway. 21 days. 21 days to reroute synapses, neonets, pathways in your brain. 21 days. Man, if I knew that, I would have dealt with this stuff a whole lot earlier and been consistent with it till I got the breakthrough. 21 days. But I thought, because the demons lie, by you know, day five or six, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And you listen to them, don't you? Um, actually, by day two, it's not going to work. Actually, by day one. And then they just dog you all those days, day after day after day. It's not going to work. 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 And then you give up. 21 days to reroute a mental pathway. When I was complaining about my life, and saying to the Lord, you know, like, wah, it's not fair, why me? Anybody here do that? <laughs> and he said, you're asking the wrong question for a the wrong tone of the question for a start. And I'm like, what? Say what? And he's like, why me? Not why me, why me? And what he was saying was that as long as you as long as you have self-pity, why me? You're just going to get that. You're not going to get, what are you doing, Lord? What's going on here? What are you trying to teach me? Right? And and all the time I would say, why am I going through this and what's happening? And he said, if you change your tone to why me? What do I not yet know? You'll find out. And so the thing is that we don't look at the fact that when, when things are tough and they're not going the way we want it to go, we don't look at the fact that God's trying to teach us, to equip us, to train us, to establish us. All we think is, where? Poor me. And we stay there. We don't grow. We don't get out of it. We just have the poor me party. And law man, there are so many friends at that party. Woo! somebody up. But guess what? It's not people that turn up, is it? Because they don't want to be around grumpy pants. <laughs> guess who turns up? Aww. All my friends that I don't hold hands with and skip down the street with. A whole lot of them. The demons. Today you are the embodiment of the choices you have made 
and responds to every situation and circumstance. Today, right now, you are the embodiment of the choices you have made in response to every situation and circumstance. <laughs> when he was telling me this, I was like, that's not fair! <coughs> How dare you! I've tried really hard! I didn't intend to turn out this messed up! <laughs> it's not fair! And he's like, own it. He said, if you just own it, the truth will set you free. So instead of trying to pretend that I, it wasn't fair, it wasn't my deal that I ended up this messed up, instead of trying to pretend that, I just need to face it. Yeah, you're right. I'm right here right now because of the choices I've made. Tell you what, seriously, the victory I got through that by facing it instead of denying it, trying to run away from it and pretend it wasn't true, oh my gosh, it was absolutely amazing. I was actually able to hear God more clearly from just that one there. Now here's the thing. There are things called priority proteins. When you make a good choice, these priority proteins are released into your brain. And as they're released into your brain, they also release uh, positive activity. They release uh, strategy, hope, right? But when you make a bad choice, these same proteins fold incorrectly into your brain, creating a cycle of illness. Right? This illness is uh, physical, mental, and otherwise. So what, what am I talking about a bad choice? I'm talking about choices that negatively impact your life. Not, I'm not talking about choices that are you know, innocent mistakes. I'm talking about the intentional bad choices to do things that will hurt other people and that will hurt you. Right? So what do they do? They fall, they fall incorrectly into your brain, creating a cycle of illness. And, you know, I, I went through a, a stage where I had, um, I was affected by, severely affected by fibromyalgia. And I was, I was sick for many years. I was bedridden for two. Could walk. I, I, could, I could hardly move any parts of my body. I was very, very, very sick. And the doctor said um, that uh, I, I would never get free of it and that um, I just had to learn how to manage life like this. Uh, and it got to the stage where I, 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 I couldn't remember things. I couldn't remember, like one day I was getting my kids to school and and I, I, was, I was like, I have to get breakfast, and, and I don't know what breakfast is. I couldn't remember what breakfast was, and I called out to my 12-year-old daughter, and I said, hey, Stacey, what's breakfast? And she goes, Mum, toast. Toast is fine. And I'm like, right, toast, I've got this. And I, I don't know what toast is. And I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I stutter. <laughs> my brain couldn't get these words out. And... Um, and what I realized was that this culmination of years of not knowing how to deal with this, my childhood situations and circumstances, teenage years, uh, I have a, a bizarre story. Like, you'd be like, that's not like, true, that's not real, that's real. It's incredibly bizarre, the things that I went through 
things that I experienced. And then I got to a point, I was 30 something, and I had this breakdown. And I didn't know what to do. And this was the, this was the start of revelation. And this is the gift of God, the grace of God, to arrest me so that he could speak to me about the things to help me come through, come through into healing. I'm quite normal now. <laughs> I know what breakfast is, I know what toast is, and I don't stutter. Okay. The next thing he talked to me about is epigenetics. And this, this was a thing that came up. I think Caroline Leaf, was she one of the first ones to talk about epigenetics? I said, anyway, the Lord was talking to me about this before I even knew about Caroline Leaf. And um, he, was, he was talking to me about how the things that had happened before, my, my forefathers, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, how the way that they think and the way that they do things had affected me. In the familiar, right? We do things like our family does things. But more than that, it affects your DNA. And, and this, is the, this is the crazy thing. My, my great, no, my granddad had polio um, when he had a vaccination for the Second World War. And it caused his right foot to turn in when he walked. And my dad had it, and three of us five kids had it. And that is an epigenetic change of the DNA in a physical way. But in the same way as well, we, our DNA, our physical DNA is changed by the way we think. It is changed by the way we think. And there's, you know, you've, you've heard of all the tests and, and trials that have been done about uh, uh, you know, uh, sitting in a room and thinking positive thoughts towards a plant and the plant <coughs> flourishes or thinking negative thoughts and the plant starts to wilt, right? And they did this other one in, um, in the States, I can't remember exactly where, but they did it with cancer patients and they had, um, they had people sitting in a room on their own with a screen looking at a cancer patient and, and all they did was think positive thoughts towards that cancer patient. And they had, they had people doing it with positive thoughts, and then they had people who weren't, weren't doing anything, like people who had nobody with positive thoughts, right? Then they had another group of Christians who were praying, praying for healing. And the interesting thing that happened was that the Christians who were praying for healing, the, the people with the cancer, had far better progress than the ones with the positive thoughts, even though they still had progress, and the ones who had nothing were really struggling. And then they moved it, and they changed it. The people, the people who were praying, the people who were thinking, they moved and put them in another hospital, a different hospital, with the screens, and did the same thing, and they had the same outcome. Seeing that thoughts, the way that we think, the, the, the thoughts that we project towards others, changes things, right? It changes things. So think about, if we've got negative thoughts about people, what are we doing? And what way are we influencing our friends, our acquaintances, body of Christ, the world? We don't understand the power of this energy. And you know, the, the Lord even talks about, you know, be careful with your thoughts, right? And often those thoughts will lead to words, and the power of the tongue can bring life and death, right? 
<clears throat> so epigenetics is the study of how environmental factors outside of DNA influence, influence changes in gene expression. And there's all these studies that have been done that says that your genes, once they're set, they can't be changed. But epigenetics proves they can be. And that a lot of the change happens in the way you think. Isn't that incredible? And then we wonder why Jesus, in the scriptures, it says, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is upright, whatever is lovely, whatever is edifying, think of these things. Why, why do you think he said that? You might know something we don't. <clears throat> so, uh, heart coherence. Uh, heart coherence is, is our connectedness to our authentic selves, our connectedness to others, and our connectedness to life. So, your DNA is influenced by your heart coherence. If you don't know who you are, who you authentically are, you cannot connect to yourself. And your journey will possibly be quite destructive. Heart coherence, right? Our heart coherence and how we connect to other people. We might know people, see them, connect, talk to them and all this, but we're not actually connecting to them. There's no bond there. And then, and even connecting to life. I know a lot of people who are just going through world like a surreal kind of, I'm here but they're not connected to life. Um, your positive mental state and your intention affects your DNA. This is epigenetics. Up to four generations are affected by the intentions that change the DNA expression. So four generations ago, that was when your epigenetics were being changed. Four, three, two, three. Right? And so there as well is all the subliminal stuff, the way that my family does things that I think are quite normal. That I need to start changing the way I think about things to break out of my pattern. But how do you do it? Science has also proven that the strongest thoughts are negative thoughts. It takes between three to five positive thoughts to cancel one negative thought. Isn't that incredible? Three to five positive thoughts to cancel one negative thought. Isn't that uh, an indication as to why we're sick, we're depressed, we're unhappy, we're lonely, we're isolated, we're hopeless, we're powerless, we're futile, because the negative thoughts are the easiest thoughts to think. Do you know why they're the easiest thoughts to think? The disciples said to Jesus, tell us how to pray. And he said, pray like this. Father, you are holy. You're magnificent. Your name is holy. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Why do you think he told the disciples to pray that? Because here, we have an atmosphere that is soulish and demonic. We've got myriads of, of demonic activity running around all over the place, you know, with, with you know, uh, lust, hatred, bigotry, racism, um, pride, 
judgments, doubt, unbelief, fear. You know, we can just go on and on and on and on, right? They're not thoughts. They're not feelings. They are demons, right? And, and they're swirling around in our atmosphere. And what we do is agree with them and add to them. And so what we're doing is we're wading through a soup of darkness. And so Jesus is saying, ask Father, bring the kingdom down here. Bring that atmosphere down here. And so as a Christian, when I started coming into this place of, you know, <laughs> out of the nominal church where you, you, don't, you don't repent, you don't renounce, and you don't bind up, <laughs> you don't do any of that sort of stuff. You just read the Bible. And, uh, yeah, I tell you, it's just crazy. And, uh, I, oh, I've got to tell you, I, uh, I, I, did, I took this women's meeting, and, um, and I said to them, you know, like, prayer is really important. It, like, we can't live without it. But there's an aspect of prayer that we really need in our lives, and it's called warfare prayer. And I talked to them about warfare prayer, and then after it, after it, the whole eldership came to me and told me I'd be happier in another church. <laughs> I was a very naughty girl. I talked about warfare prep. I know. I, was, I turned into a demon, apparently. And, uh, and then prophesied. Oh, you know, and so I didn't leave. I didn't leave. This is hilarious, right? So I didn't leave. And, uh, and then um, I... This this prophetic thing started happening. And I didn't even know I was prophetic, had no idea. And I just thought that everybody knew what I knew. And so, you know, I started saying things. And then the eldership came again and they said, you really do need to leave. <laughs> and I was like, why? And they said, because you're either a medium or a psychic or a clairvoyant and you have to go. Wow. And I tell you, I wow. went for three months wow. repenting and telling God, I am so sorry. I don't even know how that happened. How did I get to be a medium? How did I get to be a clairvoyant? How did I get to be a psychic? And what are they anyway? I didn't have a clue what they were. <laughs> and, I, and I had to go. But I left. <laughs> Best thing ever. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. <laughs> And, uh, and what was I talking about before that? <laughs> Bring the kingdom down. Bring the kingdom down. Yeah, that's right. And so, and so here we are. When we, when we invite the kingdom to come, right, there's an atmosphere of authority that surrounds us. And I'll tell you how this happened. I really believe in um, uh, binding, loosing, uh, and, and, and also, um, binding the, the strong man, not the things of God. That Bible does not tell us to bind the things of God. It tells us to bind the strong man, to bind the things of the demonic, and loose the things of God. Yeah. Not the other way around. Right? So I believe in binding and loosing, and I believe in you know, the cutting and severing of all these you know, soul ties and you know, spirit ties, courts of witchcraft, <coughs> familiar, familiar spirit ties, all that sort of stuff. I believe in that. And I uh, got really good, <coughs> strategically efficient, at the works of presumed authority. Anyway, so I got really good at all this sort of stuff. And, uh, and, and the, the Holy Spirit started talking to me about that and said that I wasn't, uh, I was uh, in works and not in grace. I'm like, say what? 
And, and I, said, I said, no, I said, listen, I said, I know that this stuff works. Because I can literally feel demons coming like, like greyhound racing dogs. I can feel them coming down the street after me. I can see them coming from across the road. And I, and I can turn and I can cut that activity and stop it. And he said, yeah, I can. He said, that's grace. He said, but there's another dimension of grace. And I'm like, okay. And he said, call the kingdom of heaven around you. Yeah. Call it as a, an atmosphere, a buffer zone around you. And I was like, okay. And he said, now watch this. And he said this massive, great big like Doberman thing coming after me. And I'm like, I can see it in the spirit. I can see it. And I'm like, brace. And then I'm getting ready to get the sword. <laughs> you know? Anyway, this thing comes and it goes, boom, and falls unconscious. Wow. And he said, that is the power of the kingdom of heaven. And that's wow. why my son said, let your kingdom come wow. on earth as it is in heaven. There's an authority in that that we we miss out on, and and a lot of it is because our our mind is so busy trying to fight the negative stuff that we're not able to hear and receive the truth that comes from God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so so here we are. We're walking through this piece of discouragement, of uh, futility, of annoyances and offences. And unforgiveness, and and all, all of these demons, right? They're in this pea soup surrounding us, and, and we wonder why life's hard. It's like, can you imagine trying to get through this thick soup? Like, you know, we wonder why it's hard. Look in the spirit realm, see what's happening. And so, how do you bring the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven and have a sound mind to be able to keep it in place? Let's deal with our thoughts. Shall we? There's a scripture in Proverbs 26 verse 14 that says, As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so is the slider who turns over in bed. And I always thought that was about a lazy person that was rolling backwards and forwards in bed. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit said to me, no. He said, he said, it's about a person who won't repent and change their ways. It's just like the door that swings. Like a dog to its vomit. What scripture was that again? Proverbs 26, 14. And uh, who's that for? Kev, who did you want to give that one to? No, no, we go, Kev. And as, yeah, so what he was saying was that there's this thing of just, you know, just we just roll backwards and forwards and we, we you know, and that's what we do in life. You know, we sort of, we, we turn this way and then we turn that way. But we don't actually stop the way that we're doing things and, and find a way to change. And, the, and you know, here's the reason why we don't. Because the thoughts up here that are going on have locked us into a program. Right? They've locked us in. How do you break the program? I'm going to keep asking that question, but we're going to get to the answer real soon. There are five dimensions. You've got the first dimension, which is, you know, uh, one, one day. Second dimension, 2D. Third dimension, 3D. Right? So, us here, we're 3D. Fourth dimension is thoughts and feelings, emotions. Right? That's the fourth dimension. Fifth dimension is the spiritual realm. 
And it's okay, I'm not new age. So the fourth dimension is the arena of thought and feeling, right? It's called the quantum of four, and I'm not new age. It's called the quantum of four. Get this. The quantum of four is completely unbiased. In the realm of thought, feelings, attitude, intent, it is unbiased. What does that mean? It does not determine if the thought that you had was about you or somebody else. And so if you have negative thoughts about somebody else, the quantum of four will register it into your DNA as if you had it about yourself. Right? And if you have it about yourself, it registers that you had it about yourself. So our body is registering all the thoughts we have and affecting our DNA by the manner of our thoughts. So if we're thinking positively about people, then that's registering positively in our body, in our DNA. How awesome is that? When the Lord started showing me this, and I did some research, because he said to me, he said, he said, he said every thought that you think negatively about somebody else will come back on you. And I'm like, say what? And then I remember the scripture. We remember the scripture, judge not, for the same man that judge you, mess you back to you. And he showed me, uh, like in Australia with the boomerangs, and you send those boomerangs out, and you will come right back. And he, and he started to show me the ways through my insecurity, through fear, through rejection, paranoia, just messed upness. The way that I would think about other people and how it was affecting me. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was kind of annoyed about it. And he said, you know what? He said, it's the greatest gift of grace that I can give you right now. And I'm like, well, why? And he said, because you don't care enough about yourself to stop thinking negative thoughts about yourself. But if you realize that when you think negative thoughts about other people, not only will it hurt you, but it also hurts them, maybe it will stop. And so taking these thoughts captive, what does it look like to take our thoughts captive? What does it look like to be free from the thoughts that bind us? Fear is a demon. And fear will cause the most paranoid thoughts. Fear will cause the most outrageous stories. Fear will cause your whole entire being to be sick. Right? So understand, fear is a demon. When we experience fear, we feel it in our bodies. It affects our DNA. It affects who we are. When we experience doubt, doubt is a demon. When we experience that, we feel it in our body. It affects our DNA. It affects who we are. When we experience pride, pride is a demon. Right? We feel it in our body. We feel what pride feels like. We know what it feels like. It affects our DNA. It affects our health. All of these things that we think are thoughts, are not thoughts. 
demons that are literally affecting our, our physical self. At the same time, they're affecting our minds and they are affecting our spirit, affecting our heart, affecting our soul. And we think that they're just thoughts. They're not thoughts, they're demons. As I was looking at this, the Lord said to me, he said, they're not thoughts, they're not feelings, they're demons. And I was just like, wow. And then I was thinking about how many are probably sitting in the room right here with me right now. Right? And I said to the Lord, do you think you could like kind of show me? The room was jam-packed. I could only breathe. The room was jam-packed. Do you think about it? All of the assignments of the enemy that are opposite to the tree of life. Yeah. Right? So the tree of life is everything, you know, like the fruit of the spirit. It's, it's everything that's great. It's everything that's wholesome. It's everything that is beneficial. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is everything that is destructive. And my, my room was literally full of the things that were of the realm of destruction. <coughs> and, uh, and, and, but having that visual reality helped me to understand that I didn't any, want to, any longer want to hold hands with them. The thing is, we do this, we, we, we literally draw from the second heaven where the war between the angels and demons are, we will draw them out of there and draw them here more than we will draw the kingdom from the third heaven to here. And so, you know, you can imagine also, like, imagine, um, like, in the realm of the principality, sphere is a principality, right? Because there are so many facets to fear. There are so many facets. So imagine like a funnel, and you've got fear up there, and then all of the different bits, the different angles, the different facets of fear. And when I don't uh, love myself enough to stop the thoughts of fear, because I'm wrestling with them, right? Well, I'm wrestling with fear instead of taking authority over it, right? Then what I'm doing is literally they're going pop, 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 and they're all dropping out and coming around me and holding my hand and making me feel better. And that's the thing. Once you start feeling fear, you want to feel it more because you think that you're going to be able to get out of something by feeling more fear. Do you understand? And so I was sitting, uh, and he was talking to me about this revelation, and then, then he said to me, he said, he said, now tell me, why do you wrap yourself in that blanket of fear? And I pretended I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, what blanket? And he goes, that blanket. I'm like, yeah, tell me, I don't know what blanket, tell me about it. And he said, every time that you think that you need to do something positive, you need to be operating in faith, he said, the first thing you reach for is a blanket of fear. You wrap it around you and you navigate how to get out of something from the position of fear. He said, you're navigating from demonic territory. I was like, what? And, and I, I know that he was right because how you know the difference between fear and faith, whether you are being motivated by faith, motivated by fear, is if you're motivated by fear, you are fearfully pushing away from what you don't want. <coughs> you're like, no, I don't want that. Going for this. No, I don't want that. Going for this. And he said, that is your God. Fear is your God. And when he said that, I knew it because I was afraid of the fear of fear, of fear of fear of fear, of fear of fear. Of fear, of fear. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, I had fear in my life that was just paralyzing, crippling. Look at me now, I am literally fearless because perfect love casts out fear. But I, I was, I, my whole being was paralyzed by fear in every facet of it. And there's reasons for it, childhood circumstances, things that happen, there's reasons for it, right? But he's my deliverer. And even, so I was also delivered of fear when I was pulling this blanket around me, right? So I was delivered of the paralysis of the fear, but I didn't know the truth of it. I didn't understand the dynamics, the dimensions of it. And, I, and I, he said to me, he said, so everything you do, you think you're doing by faith. Because it was even, was even like, okay, so I need a victory in this place. So I'm going to search the scriptures and I'm going to find the prayers and I'm going to pray. But I was doing all of that from the place of fear. I was motivated by fear. Fear was my God. I'm in the camp of the devil looking for a positive outcome. Wondering why my prayers didn't get answered. Wondering why I was constantly being defeated. Wondering why I'm going down the mountain again, having to fight that same battle again. And I said, well, well help me then because I don't know what it is to stand in faith. And, and, and instantly, I, I felt this smile on my face. And he said, faith is the joyful, hopeful, jubilant, positive expectation that God is good. It is finished. It is done. He has won. And I was just like, symptom, as soon as you acknowledge a symptom, you say, ah, oh God. Yeah. 
do about this? How are you going to fix this? Jesus, what are you doing right now? Now this is the craziest thing ever. I had never had an encounter, a uh, um, <clears throat> experiential supernatural encounter. And as soon as I started doing this, I had open visions, and I'm still sick, but I had open visions, I had supernatural encounters, I experienced miracles like you wouldn't believe. My, my world changed. And you see, the thing was, it was this breaking in of the kingdom of heaven, this constant breaking in of the kingdom of heaven that happened to me. And so, whereas I was bound, I was trapped, I was ensnared, I was imprisoned, and I was bound because my entire focus was on what was wrong. And as soon as I shifted the way that I thought, 21 days to do a new mind pattern, I shifted the way that I thought, and 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 every time the and do, do you see that stutter there? And 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 I just went back in my mind into that time, what it was like, and remembering how he turned my face towards him and put a smile on my face and literally burned the smile on the bones of my face for me so that I could feel what it looked like when it came from him. And he, and he said, now I'm saying, Papa, what are you up to? Papa, what are you doing? How are you going to break me out of this? What are, you, what are you doing? What are you bringing to me? Who are you and how are you going to do this? You see, it changed it from like, all of that to faith. He's got it all. It's all about him. And so how do we take these thoughts captive? He literally said to me, that I need to deal with all of the liminal ones, all the ones that I'm cognitively aware of. I need to start with them and I've got to be really diligent. Love yourself enough to take your thoughts captive. And then here's the thing, I, I, I said in one of the meetings, um, it, was, it was really funny because uh, when I was not well, I would go to the altar all the time and I, I, because I wanted to pray for healing. And it would drive me crazy because every time, every time I went up for prayer, the, the person would come up to me and they would say, so they would say to me, stop thinking. Right? And I'd be like, what do you mean stop thinking? <laughs> this thing thinks. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, and like it's, just, it's like saying to your heart, will you stop beating or will you change your beat? Like do ba 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 You know, or like tell your, your liver, will you just stop doing that? You know, tell one of your, your adrenal glands, like, do what I tell you. They said, stop thinking. I didn't know how to do that. I thought that it just did what it did. I didn't know. I absolutely, this is how thick I was, I absolutely didn't know that I could take authority over my thoughts. And in this, this time of being bedridden, I, I got Joyce Meyer's book, The Battlefield of the Mind, and I'm reading it, and it was just like, it was like chewing on straw until there was this one statement that I know was a gift of grace. I know it was my magnificent king who just popped it in the air for me. You know how he does that? And it said this, you don't have the freedom or the right to think what you want. I was like, oh, who knew? I didn't know. 
Honestly, I didn't know. I thought that this thing just did what it did. I did not know that you could tell it not to. Alright, so I'm the only thick one here. <laughs> anyway, that one statement led me into this thing. I don't have to think about these things. I don't have to wrestle with them. I don't have to, you know, um, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and backwards and forwards and see which one wins. Usually them, because they had to pack it down because they didn't know what to do with it. And so I realized that at the moment that I had a conscious thought, and most of these conscious thoughts were about my worth. They were about my value. It was about, a, about a, 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 like if I, if I meet somebody, and that, uh, can you tell me the time? Okay, I'm going to finish now, really quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, all of these situations and circumstances and things that we experience, they send a message to us. Whether they're words or just body language or actions or whatever, they send a message to us about whether we're valuable, whether we are rejected or not. Like, all of the messages, right? The thing we have to do is realize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we're loved by God. And so as soon as the message comes, you, you grab it, you literally grab it, and you lift it up and you say, Jesus, does this word obey you? Right? Now, he will say yes or no. He will. He will. You will just have an innate knowing. If he says, yes, the word does obey him, then you've got to do something about it. But usually he will say, no, it doesn't obey him. And so then what you do is you say that word, right? You're going to make it obey Jesus. You're going to punish it. You're going to punish it. You're going to punish that word. And you're going to make it obey Jesus. So what you do is you put it down there and you stomp on it. And you say, I will not allow you in my mind again. Never again. You do not obey Jesus. I will not allow you. Will you love yourself enough to be that violent against the things of destruction? Will you love yourself enough? And so it's this constancy. And here's the great thing. That the more, if, if you would just do this regularly, all, all day, right? Takes 21 days. You just set aside 21 days. I'll tell you what will happen at the end of 21 days. If you deal with all the limited ones, all the ones that are on top, if you deal with them, eventually the subliminal ones will come up. And they're the biggies. They're the nasties. They're the programming. They're the ones that trap you and ensnare you. They're the ones that tell you that you're depressed or you're sick. They're the ones that tell you about your pains. They're the ones that tell you about your future and your destiny. They tell you whether you're worth it or not. Really, right down to the to the guts of it. And those subliminal ones, they'll start to come up. And um, and when you, when you can you know do that, Jesus, does this word obey you? Right? Let's just say that He says yes, it does obey me. Then that means that there's a it's this is not um, a, a trap or a, a, a snare of the devil, right? Because like all the things that don't obey Jesus are all the, the, the injustice, the illegitimate, that they have no legal right, they're, they're, they're fraud, 
They're cheats, they're liars. Right? And so if he says, no, it doesn't obey me, then you put it down and stamp on it. But if he says yes, then you've got to do something about it because if that's not what the enemy has brought against you as an assignment. The yes ones are the things that you have purposely agreed to. You have purposely agreed to it. And you want it, you like it. You know, you're my buddy. Come on. Keep, keep close to me. And you've got to deal with those things. Repent and stop it. So what the, one of the next um, meetings that we're going to do is all about um, uh, how, how we deal with the subliminal ones that we don't actually, we can never actually find the truth of the subliminals. The other ones that are so deep that they only register in the inner. And, and also, many of them are related to traumatic life experiences. And even though you might repent of them over and over and over and over, and you might renounce them over and over and over, and you might forgive over and over and over, for some reason it's still there, right? And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, the reason they're still there is because you don't know the truth. And so we look at these things from uh, our filter, whether it's a childhood filter or, or just a filter of being a victim. And we look at these things and we see what we see as the truth. But there's one truth that sets us free. And so it's being able to hear the truth of God on what really happened. Because what happens is that usually many of these traumatic experiences happen when we're children or we're minors. And we become a victim to it. And um, <clears throat> we believe that we did something wrong. We believe that we were the cause of it. But there's a truth that will set you free. And he said to me, you can't repent of something and get free of it if you don't know the truth. And I was just like, man, I have no idea what you're doing. But we're going to find out in one of the next sessions. And that is, um, uh, talks about the Iron Dome and the... Um, Sorry, the iron ground and the bronze stone, um, and how <coughs> we are trapped in the idolatry of the people who have sent the strongest messages to us, and defined and determined our value and our worth, and have become our gods. Because God is the only one who should ever de de determine our value and our worth. And that is a mind blowingly awesome revelation. So I want to thank you for uh, listening. We're going to go into worship now. And uh, in, about, in about 10 minutes, those who want to uh, minister prophetically, can come and uh, help me. Um, but just, just one minute. Is there anybody who has a question, a burning question, that you want to ask? Yeah. Speaking to you for the same how our thoughts can actually affect our physical bodies, physical DNA. Does it as well affect our spiritual DNA? Yes. So generation after generation. Yes, it does. Yeah. As what she asked was, as our thoughts affect our physical being, does it also affect our spirit, physical DNA? Does it affect our spiritual DNA? Yes, it does. And it's interesting. You'll find, um, you know, uh, 
Christian families, right, that have uh, loved themselves enough to discipline their thoughts and their children believe that they are kings. It's like these are the ones that have all the silver spoons in their mouths. Uh, and you see it in families where the families have, have trained themselves to think negatively and the children, their, their, their spirit is crushed. They can't find God. They don't even believe in God and spiritual DNA. So, yeah. so then, if you have room kids that, and you finally find your place, you're not passing that on again. How do, can you spiritually uh, move it from your generation through yeah, your you children can. and grandchildren? You can. Um, you can. You can do it more effectively through, to the unborn, where children are in existence and grandchildren are in existence. It's more work because um, you are going to have to change you as well so that that is going to flow. Um, but they imbibe it because it's family. Like my children, they were like, you ask them, they'll say mum was like this and then she was like this almost overnight. And that changed, they imbibed it automatically. Um, but yes, much more effectively for the unborn. They're not yet here because they just get born into something that is extraordinarily beautiful, perfect plan of the kingdom. Yes. What about when you don't know what the small message is, or you don't even know what the, the event is that shaped you? Yeah, um, we, we will talk about that. Uh, that's in the bronze dome and iron ground. Um, there are many things that have happened that, um, like, just one, just to explain it. There was one. Uh, a situation where I dealt with one of the things in the, in the bronze dome, which I can't go into detail because it was too big, but I dealt with it by, by, by hearing the truth from God. And this bronze dome is where you don't have open heaven, right? And um, by dealing with one situation of deep offense and abuse, all these other areas of this bronze dome crumbled. And as I saw them crumble, I realized how this one experience had caused all these other things to come into play in my life. But they, they just came down. And I honestly didn't experience open heaven. It was, you know, you know how sometimes, I'm, probably not now, but there would be a time in your life where you're praying and hit the ceiling and fall back down. And you're like, oh, what is it to go? Right? You know, or, or you just get it out of your mouth and it just, you know that the heavens didn't capture it. There was something that blocked it, something that stopped it. The reality of it is that God does hear, but we don't have open heaven. And so now I know how to keep open heaven, but I didn't. It was like it was like I was trapped in a place without any light. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Do we all have something? Um, everybody has subliminals, unless they've actually dealt with them. Yeah. They're all there, they're all just packed down. And it manifests in the... In the Wrong with me. Yeah. Because that is it subject to time, if you have parents that have already passed, you can ask him to go back in the generations and kind of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He absolutely cleans up generational stuff. Wow. Yes, he does. Yeah. And we'll talk about that too
What about thoughts that are in response to what someone else is telling you? Yeah, that's the message. You, re you, you always receive a message. And, and like I said, it can be from words, it can be from body language, it can be from no body language, it can be from neglect, rejection. We're constantly receiving messages and these messages are coming through the pea soup, through this, this thick soup, are coming to condemn us. They're coming to bring destruction upon us because they, they want to be, these demons want to be our God and not God as our God. Okay. Hey, I just want to say thank you so much for watching. I hope this blessed you. I know that the ministry of the Lord upon what he releases me to say is powerful. The sword of the Lord is sharp. It's double-sided. It goes right in and it creates opportunity for miracles. So thank you for watching. If there's anything that you want to know, any questions that you've got, anything that you're not sure about or anything that you want to know more about, please feel free to contact me.